Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 4 for 4 Bats. I'm Ryan Noonan, and it is that time of year, friends. It is the games are on hiatus. The NFL news cycle never stops. Next two months, Move the Line will be your home for all things NFL draft, specifically NFL draft bettings. After the draft cycle, we'll get into all other things, the offseason nuggets impacting coaching changes, futures market, much, much more. Continue to be here. Uh, at least once per week leading up to week one of the season. Take a second, subscribe to the show. We're going to be sharing a ton of mock drafts over the next two months, so watching is probably the best way to take this in. Find us on YouTube. Subscribe to the 444Bets channel. Hit us with that thumbs up. Drop a comment in the chat. Tell us how incredibly wrong uh, Connor is on his first mock draft or uh, your dream scenario for your team, whatever you like. Uh, you can also listen to the show. Find Move the Line wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm joined here. As always, by Connor Allen. We'll get to Connor in a moment. Uh, he'll have room to cook today because we are going to focus today's show and talk through his first mock draft, which is up on 444.com and free to read right now. So go check that out. But I want to welcome back our third chair for the NFL draft season, our friend Scott Smith. Scott finished 11th in the Huddle Reports mock draft accuracy report competition last year. Uh, it's one of the best in the space, connected and uh, just, I think, an absolute level up for us on the show we thoroughly enjoyed it and uh scott looking forward to doing this again buddy welcome back yeah uh missed on a few last year but uh i think we had some good reads overall and got in early on some people i don't think we're gonna have quite the argument and and kind of misses what we had with cj stroud which uh you saw ended up getting that whole staff fired um you know i think we we had the right read early and then unfortunately the the gm and the, the owner decided otherwise but um look i i think I think there's some interesting lines to kind of jump on and start looking at uh, relative early as they, they start to come out. And, um, you know, we're going to hit on all that. So hopefully we can uh, give everybody that listens and tunes in a little bit of value and, and, and help people play the, the mocks and the, the NFL draft this year. Yeah, there are markets now, which is encouraging. I feel like uh, I don't remember clearly, but I feel like this is more Connor than we had at this time last year, which is somewhat encouraging because that was kind of the struggle last year, especially when the, First couple of weeks, couple of months at this point, we're doing the show. We just didn't have anything to really get to. Now, again, like I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm, I'm busting your balls a little bit with the first mock draft. We are pre-combine. We are pre-free agency. This is an information market that is ever-evolving. So no one gets to hold Connor uh, accountable for this mock draft, uh, considering we're like nine weeks away from the draft. But again, it's a really interesting, fun starter conversation and thought process to understand, I think, like, number of positions in the first round, um, starting to understand where your big board is and like who just missed and like team needs. Again, those things are all shaped here over the next couple of months when we get answers to free agency and who's getting, um, you know, extended, who's getting franchised, all that stuff. So, uh, Connor, what's going on? Yeah. So first off, way more markets already, like especially FanDuel, uh, you know, love FanDuel, great uh, show sponsor last year, but they were not really a big player in the space early on, which I don't blame them because two years ago, most sports books got wrecked in the NFL draft. Now last year, I think they won a bunch back because, you know, there's a lot of misinformation at one, two, three with, uh, you know, Houston trading up back up to three yeah. on draft day, which I think totally threw everyone for a loop for the most part. So at this point, they're posting number one, two, and three overall. They're they're posting team to draft Bo Nix, Brock Bowers, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix, and Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. All already, and that's and FanDuel is usually uh, you know takes reasonable amounts of money, at least for the most part. You know, take at least right now early in the going, they'll take a decent amount too. So 
excited about that. I think that will provide more to talk about in the show. We'll provide more actionable insight. And then I think like Scott said, you know, last year was a bit of an aberration for us. I think we had a little bit of, you know, mishap there at the top, but we still wound up, you know, doing relatively well in the rest of the draft. Had a couple of good calls. So, um, you know, not too worried about it and excited to dive into this year. Look, I think we were right. And I think the information that we got that was we CJ Stroud at the top was correct. Um, but they just like Scott touched on, like they internally got overruled. Um, and you know, obviously the Texans moving up kind of shifted some stuff in the top three because it was even the draft day, it was like, what are they gonna? We're hearing push pull on terms of like quarterback, defensive end, and all that stuff. It was like, are both? Why not both? Um, so that changed kind of the dynamic of the top 10. So that's going to happen. Uh, but again, just going to be pliable. And again, this is not a player takes show. If you're looking for like draft betting for your like dynasty fantasy football league, you are in the wrong spots. Uh, we're looking to mock, we're looking to mock to profit. Um, more than you'll make on your dynasty league by betting on the draft, which is the way to do this. So uh, no offense to that niche of the uh, quarter of the internet. Uh, this is for, you know, uh, betting purposes specifically and trying to uh, hone in on some of that stuff. So yeah, some of the markets that Connor touched on are also available on DraftKings. Uh, probably more likely to get limited or have trouble getting down on DraftKings, especially early in the process. So awesome to see FanDuel uh, get involved there as well. So good stuff. Um, again, go over to the site, 444.com. Connor's draft is free. We're going to walk through that at the top here. Uh, and again, this is a really important thing. There's some massive quarterback stuff in the free agent market that could shift some of the stuff. And we obviously have a very enticing early first round. I think that the top part of the draft and Connor, you could pop that up. If you want to take a look at it, we can walk through it. Um, it's, it's obviously quarterback heavy at the top. Uh, and then we have a lot of, I think, difference makers at the wide receiver position, which is really interesting. And then a just crap ton of impactful offensive linemen. So it is going to be a spot where like first defensive player uh, where that comes in as an interesting market as we come in. And then I think like the number of players and positions in the first round. So uh, Connor, we'll start at the top. We are uh, bears on the clock, obviously with the trade last year with the Panthers. And it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm surprised we got here already. I thought we'd spend a bit more time in the will they or won't they part of the news cycle especially maybe that's just because we're here local in Chicago and we just came out of the tail end of the football season with so much local love for Justin Fields in the fan base. Now it feels like at least the general assumption is that the bears will do what I think. I know you think unequivocally the right thing to do here and is to take a quarterback. Uh, is, you, you know, I've heard the arguments uh, to do so. Like even if you think Caleb Williams and Justin Fields are equal, which or Drake may or Jane Daniels, which I don't know that we think that that's the case. You still reset the clock on quarterback uh, in the contract by having that those two extra years. Um, you're going to have to pay Justin Fields. So um, even if they are equals, you have to do it, and it's the right thing to do. And it seems like where we're going with the Bears, Connor. So any thoughts on doing something different with the Bears or maybe even a different quarterback? Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of things off the top here with the whole Justin Fields, Chicago debate. Like Chicago media is still treating it like it's up in the air. It's not up in the air. Like, I mean, I see it every day. My timeline has been flooded with all these guys. Like it's, it's not going to like the bears are taking a quarterback. They almost certainly are at this point. We're going to see that solidified. I think uh, at the combine in a week and a half or so, like, you know, it was kind of the same thing last year. Like everyone's like, Oh, are they going to trade the number one pick? There were still talks about them picking a quarterback at the top of last draft, which now in hindsight could have made sense if they picked CJ Stroud. But um, you know, the time made sense to hold on to fields for another year, you know, new, new system. They thought maybe they had something there. Now at this point, 
I think they're basically just playing the market, being like, what, well, what more can we get for Justin Fields? And I think it's almost a certainty at this point that they're trading him away because of what you said with resetting the clock. And I also think, you know, again, quick player take. I think Caleb Williams is really good and I'm excited about his upside and potential. Um, so yeah, for me at this point, Caleb Williams is like minus 900. I think that's like almost a lock at this point in terms of what we're going to see. Now they still have to go through the process. If they like find out that Caleb Williams, like, you know, is secretly, you know, a serial killer, I'm sure that they're not going to take him. But at this point, barring like some unexpected disaster, I think that it's almost certainly going to be Caleb at one to the Bears. Today's show is sponsored by DraftKings' newest product, Pick 6. It's a pick'em style platform where you choose players that have more or less of a certain statistical category, like passing yards, rushing yards, points, rebounds, assists, you name it. The twist is that DraftKings has made it peer-to-peer. If you're contrarian, you outsmart your opponents, winnings can be massive. Even during the Super Bowl, they had a 200x winner for someone who hit six out of six picks. It's available in 21 states, including some that don't even have sports betting. If you play $5, you instantly get bonus credits as well uh, using our code in the show notes. Yeah, Scott, any thoughts on where we're at here in terms of what the Bears did with the top? Yeah, I actually think it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be Caleb Williams. The popular thing out there with mock drafts just to get views right now is to project Washington trading up to to one and, and just because the Cliff Kingsbury signing. But I, I just think it takes two to tango. And philosophically, when it, you look at building a team and what they would be able to do by resetting that, that quarterback position and then also having, you know, other things that they can get with, with trade value coming back for, for Justin Fields to build around them, that's what makes sense. And even if Washington, no matter how much they may want Caleb Williams, like it just takes two to tango. And I, I don't think what Chicago is going to want, you know, for somebody to move up, even for Washington to move up one spot. I just don't think that it's going to be within the realm of possibilities, no matter how badly Washington wants. And I think when we sit here and look at the number two pick with Washington, you know, Washington still has some insight into to Drake May, you know, as much as everybody wants to, to pair Caleb Williams with Cliff Kingsbury, Phil Longo and, and Cliff Kingsbury are, are very much, you know, connected with the type of offense they run. They're, they're good friends. They meet often. And uh, Drake May was coached by Phil Longo, who's now at Wisconsin. So I, I think Washington's going to have some some good insight to as far as like evaluating the players, because you'll be able to know what it is with Drake May in comparison to Caleb Williams and then go ahead and throw Jaden Daniels into the mix. So what we have going on here at the top of the, the draft, barring some unforeseen massive trade. I think is what's going to happen there at one, two, and three. Yeah. So I think it is interesting. And again, I, I do agree at this point, like it is probably click driven. I understand why someone would do it. I think it is interesting to, to think about because you know, it really comes down to what these teams do from an evaluation standpoint, starting with Chicago, they they hold the key. Um, so if they happen to get to a spot where they have a close grade on Caleb and Drake may, or the grade on Jane, Jane Daniels is close I think entertaining it is interesting. And again, you do have a new ownership group in Washington who well, probably wants to make a splash. So if they have like their grades or that, hey, Caleb is clearly the guy, um, I think that there's probably some discussions to be had there if Chicago is open to it. Again, that's the takes to the tango part of it. Now, Washington does have some capital to make it work within this draft as well. Uh, you know, they have 36 and 40. In round two, they have an additional third as well. So they have five picks in the top 101. So they do have a little bit, considering Chicago does not have a second round pick. So there is some stuff there, again, like back to make up to move one spot. 
I think it becomes uh, pretty interesting. So again, we have to get an understanding of what these teams eval look like moving forward. So I do agree. It'd be very shocking to see the bears move like out of position to draft the top quarterback. I don't think it's like crazy that they go to from one to two, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. It depends obviously on the grades. Yeah, that's, I think that's a very fair argument there. I would say that it requires kind of a lot of things to happen. Like you said, it has to have, make sure they have a close grade and Washington would have to overpay, I think, because Correct. you're looking at like, like people like pull up the trade value chart and shit, like moving from two to one. I just think that this is totally different because like Caleb, like you have to compare the Caleb versus Drake may not like one to two in a normal draft uh, standpoint here, because you're getting like potentially franchise altering moves here. You know, like the thing about the difference in this, you know, in hindsight of like, if someone were to trade up for CJ Stroud instead of Bryce Young at this point versus like two versus one, like that's like a, an insurmountable difference, uh, you know, at this point sure. in, their, in their career. So I don't know, just something. And then also to add on Scott's point there, that's a great point that I didn't, I didn't think about with the whole Cliff Kingsbury connection. So uh, Hayden Winks brought this up on Twitter. So former GM Rick Spielman like consulted for the Washington Commanders um, and basically helped hire a lot of the new guys um, there and basically, and you know, went on a show and was like, oh, like, I, you know, if I were to make the pick, it would 100% be Drake May. Like, I think he's the best uh, prospect, you know, like outside of Caleb. So, I mean, I don't know how much that matters and how much influence he has, like, actually in the organization. But, you know, again, like, people hire like minded people. Like, that's just how business works. So, um, I, at this point, you know, given no combine, no information, like, I'm giving the slight edge to Drake May at two. But personally, I think right now it's pretty close to 50 50. Uh, so, I'm not laying the juice on Drake May. I know that we have some people laying minus 180 on Drake May to go two. I'm not quite there yet. I think it would probably be like, you know, I don't know, minus 110, Drake May, plus 110, Jaden Daniels, something like that. Yeah, um, you just to see how that kind of shakes out. But yeah, the commanders aren't going too far. Um, you know, feels like they're sitting at two where they're going to one. They have to get an answer at quarterback position to move forward. And it's definitely what I would expect the new ownership group to do there. Um, player take, I think Drake May is really good. I think it's probably pretty close <laughs> to Caleb. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But again, that's uh, not for the purposes of the show. The Patriots become very interesting at three. Uh, they do not have an internal candidate at quarterback. Um, they just don't. I mean, it, it'd be really hard, even with a new organization in terms of like, you know, Gerard Mayo, Elliot Wolf, like decision makers with the Belichick tree moving on, um, you know, to, to see that you want to run back Mac. Um, where, where are their player evaluations look like? Because this is a roster that is devoid of talent massively on both sides of the ball. Uh, and you have some, again, this is a pretty loaded draft in terms of some like massively impactful playmakers. Do they, are they comfortable taking QB three? Is their QB three grade close to their QB one and one and two grade enough for them to do it? Uh, because I do think that you know, we'll get to the spot where we'll feel pretty clear about what the bears and the commanders do. And then we'll have that like, Hey, draft starts at three stuff. Uh, we don't know what the bear, we don't know what the Pats are going to do with this new group. Um, but where are you at, Scott, in terms of the top three quarterbacks? I think you mentioned here. You, you think that this is where we should be at the draft in terms of one, two, three going QB? Yeah, I think that this is what makes sense. But look, it's been long for Bill Belichick calling the shots as far as what he wants to do and how he wants to build and shape that roster. They're still devoid of talent there at the, the wide receiver position. And there's some question mark about Jaden Daniels as far as his decision making and processing. He throws a great deep ball. He's athletic as can be. Some people think he's a little bit more developed than, than what you know, Lamar Jackson was coming out as a passer. So there, there's some interesting things there versus a Marvin Harrison, who I think a lot of people are sure on as far as being the top wide receiver in this draft and being a more sure, you know, 
prospect a, a, as far as that. You know, it's really going to depend upon some of the other quarterbacks. You, you see J.J. McCarthy there at eight. You've got Bo Nix. You know, you've got some of these other guys that people think will go either there, you know, early in the second round or at the bottom of the first. So it gets interesting for the Patriots and how they're going to decide to build their team going forward with a new coach and somebody else calling the shots other than Bill Belichick. So that's that's your team. So you, you would probably have a little bit more insight as far as that locally and what they want to do. Um, but I, I think it's up in the air between Jaden Daniels and Marvin Harrison Jr. I'd be highly surprised if it was anybody outside of those two players. Connor, how much consideration did you give to doing something non-Jaden Daniels here? This is where I think it gets interesting because I think that there are outside scenarios where they trade down. And both I, so this team, the Patriots and the Falcons and the Raiders are three teams that I think can instantly change your draft board with free agency, with trades. So like imagine if the Patriots trade for Justin Fields or, uh, you know, Falcons trade for Justin Fields or, you know, Russell Wilson to the Falcons or something like that. You know, like all of these can instantly change the formula where, okay, if the Patriots want to have Justin Fields and Marvin Harrison Jr. for a year and see how that goes, like I don't think that that's a completely ridiculous scenario. Um, because again, Marvin Harrison Jr. is, uh, in my mind, one of the best wide receiver prospects that we've seen in a while. And it seems like he's viewed that, uh, viewed that way by the league too. So like, that would not surprise me if I would be a little bit surprised if they wanted to trade down. I think the only thing that narrowed that made me stick to the quarterback here is like Gerard Mayo's comments early on. Again, we're like, we're going to draft the most important player at the most important position or something like that, which again, that's a quarterback. So, you know, that has me leaning here towards Jaden Daniels. But like you said, like, is he willing to take the sloppy thirds of like whoever they didn't pick, you know, and that's, I think a lot of people have a really tough time doing that. And I would too, personally. So that's my question. I think that they could easily get a different quarterback uh, via free agency, via trade and go with Marvin Harrison jr. Here. So that's, I think that one actually, like, honestly, that is where I'm in my opinion, kind of the draft starts here because I don't really see Chicago or Washington moving out of those one or two spots. Maybe they flip, but I think Caleb and, Probably another quarterback goes one and two. Um, but other than that, I think three, start, you can start to get a little wild. Yeah, depending on how things kind of shift out in the free agency market with the uh, you know the quarterback situation, as you mentioned, fields too, uh, that kind of adds a little bit of an element to it. And then you have, you mentioned those, some of those teams, uh, Atlanta at eight, talking about viable trade-up options. Uh, if you're in you know, New England where you can kind of stay in the top half of the draft uh, and get some other resources and kind of you know make different moves, um, Atlanta, Minnesota has an answer, uh, needs to have an answer quarterback. And that kind of clump there is 11, 12, 13 with uh, the Vikings, the Broncos, and the Raiders all kind of in the spot where they need long-term answers at quarterback. Um, now, can they make a, a play to get up to the top three? That's that's going to be hard. And if you're New England, like you want to stay in the range where you could take a shot now. The other interesting team is the Giants. Um, and again, like we'll see how that's like kind of shake out in terms of what they want to do. And that's kind of the same answer the Patriots is you just don't end up in the top three in a spot where there are probably three viable options very often. Uh, when you don't have a quarterback, it's really hard to justify moving out of that if there's a consensus that there are three guys. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. Um, next is the, the Cardinals, which feels like it's just really hard to mock anything to Arizona outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. They are the top team here that has has a quarterback uh, that we saw. We thought that was a team last year. They made a ton of sense. Just kind of tank for Caleb uh, and kind of rebuilds and move on from Kyler. And like Kyler played 
pretty well in Drew Pretzing's offense last year. You add a Marvin Harrison Jr. to that team with a Trey McBride at tight end, and it becomes pretty interesting really quick. They also have a boatload of picks to make a real splash in this draft, which is you know pretty exciting if you are uh, a Cardinals fan. They have the 27th pick here as well in the first round. They also have uh, their normal early at the 35th pick in the second round. And then they have three third-round picks. Um, so five picks in the top 90. And the Cardinals can get risky real, real quick here. So, uh, Connor, I go back to you here. Any thoughts on going off the board uh, with something that wasn't Marvin Harrison Jr., who's like minus 160 or something right now to go to the Cardinals? Yeah, no, I think that if it goes like these top three, I think Marvin Harrison goes four. I think the question we have to ask ourselves is if Marvin Harrison goes three, who do they take? Um, I could see them trading down like they did last year, uh, traded down with the Texans and then wound up trading back up to get Paris Johnson. Um, and I think that's who we had them penciled in for regardless. Like they were really liked him. And I think that's kind of a similar scenario here with maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. But it wouldn't be surprising for them to go Malik Neighbors at four if Marvin Harrison Jr. goes three. And I think that's kind of the scenario that I'm setting myself up for if if that were to happen or like we start to hear rumblings of that. So that's, I think, something worth considering. But again, if it goes top three quarterbacks, I think Marv- Marvin Harrison Jr. at four is like, a very, very, very strong thing when you look at their roster, you look at what they need, uh, and you look at the type of prospect he is. Like, in my opinion, that's like the only thing that makes sense here. Yeah, probably not gonna make it through 32 picks anyway. Uh, you spend most of the time at the top of the draft, which is for what sure you should be doing anyway. Um, but Scott, if you have anything to add on the Cardinals, and then I'll kick it to you to start us off on discussions around the Chargers, who are in a very interesting spot. And there are a number of teams who are in a very interesting spot here where they need offensive line help and they need playmakers in the passing game. And that's what this draft is like just absolutely busting into seams with. Now you have obviously a new front office, a new head coach. You have Harbaugh in town um, wanting to put their stamp on his new team. Uh, and look how Michigan was built. Uh, you know, obviously from a recruiting standpoint in college, it's different. But like that, the trenches in Michigan have been kind of why they were a, a national powerhouse for the last handful of years there. Uh, they have the option to take the top of the offensive tackle board here. Uh, they also have the ability to address wide receiver or pass catcher too, because obviously Brock Bowers was an early uh, look there as well. So any thoughts on the Cardinals? And then you can get us started with your thoughts on the Chargers. Yeah, as far as the Cardinals go, I, I tend to echo the same sentiments that it, it's kind of Marvin Harrison or bust. I think Malik Neighbors could come in, but I think if it gets to the point where Jaden Daniels is on the board at four, you have teams like Denver, for instance, that I, I've heard they are they are actively working the phones and and having discussions about trading up, and that Sean Payton in particular wants a a quarterback in the worst way, and and I don't necessarily think that uh, the quarterbacks that are available in free agency or specifically through trade would fit what he wants to do. Not that Jaden Daniels necessarily fits that either, but I, I think you're looking at them if Marvin Harrison Jr wasn't there I, I think they would listen heavily to offers to to move down whether that's you know there at eight but I, I think that's also a situation that's going to shake out as you start seeing some trades happen seeing some free agency happen so uh, I think that's kind of where Arizona sits and look when, when we move on and sit there and, and talk about the Chargers it's another team that has a, a whole new bunch of brass calling the shots and, and doing the things and and regardless of what you think they're going to you know do positionally it's all going to be going around building around the quarterback and, and getting the most out of Justin Herbert um for whatever reason Justin Herbert over the last couple of years whether it be due to injury due to a few other things has not been able to take that next step into the elite top 
four or five quarterbacks. Um, they haven't been able to get it done as far as like going to the playoffs and whatnot. So everything that Harbaugh is going to do bringing in is going to be built around getting the most out of uh, Justin Herbert. Um, I, I think building through the trenches with that offensive line, they've had some trouble there. I think they're going to be set to to go ahead and lose Austin Eckler. So I think it's going to be built around that, that pass game. And whether it's through the offensive line or, or taking a Malik Neighbors or taking a Brock Bowers, I, I think that's what you're going to go ahead and see. I think you can kind of narrow it down through the, the four picks, whether it's Joe Alt or Fashanu as far as the tackles or Malik Neighbors or or Bowers. I think that's the four picks that you're really looking at. And, you know, like you said, we're not going to make it through 32 picks on this show, but I think the most important thing early on is narrowing down the players that you think are going to go in the top 10. And, and I think Connor's done a good job here for the most part with, with those guys that are projected in the top 10. And I think when you're looking at this pick, like I said, it's three or four guys that you're going to see here for, for the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, where are you at in terms of other considerations, Connor, with uh, Joe Alt going offensive tackle uh, from the uh, from Notre Dame? And this is an interesting thing, too, right, where you have a college coach who's been coaching against these guys and mm-hmm. like, I don't actively probably recruiting a number of them. Um, so, like, there's just some different elements here that I think makes it pretty interesting on what the Chargers want to do. Yeah, the Chargers are unique because they brought in uh, a lot of different changing pieces here with their GM. So their new GM is Joe Horitz. He's a former player personnel executive from the Ravens who historically drafts, you know, good offensive linemen, good kind of trench players, things like that. Uh, And then we're looking at their new offensive coordinators, Greg Roman, one of the run heaviest offensive coordinators in the league, uh, you know, historically. Um, And so in my mind with Harbaugh, who, again, has I mean, they've had a good offenses in Michigan, but a lot of that's been a result of like smash mouth offenses that they've been playing really well with. And like, I think that that fits exactly what the rest of their staff wants. So beefing up the interior makes a lot of sense here. They want to go with Bowers. It could definitely make sense too. I've seen some talk about how like paying tight end, you know, draft tight ends early is like paying them at the top of the market. And then you're not really getting any value by drafting them that high. But, um, you know, again, you're, you're most likely locking in a top tight end. And that I think can be a difference maker for a team too. So yeah, I think all neighbors, Bowers all in consideration, but um, Bowers is kind of a tough one. We'll get, I mean, we'll probably get there. It's just like, there aren't a whole lot of landing spots for him in my mind in this top 10. And like, I think he's a top 10 talent. I think he's awesome. Like I love Brock Bowers as a a prospect. And I think most people do. It's just that, you know, off the top, like the chargers kind of make sense. The giants don't make sense. The Falcons definitely don't make sense. The Bears probably don't make sense. Like a lot of these other teams that outside the top four just don't really add up a whole lot. So um, I had Bowers falling to 12, but yeah, at five, like I, I leaned with Alt, but I think that that can change. It could easily be Fashanu too. So I think Scott did a good job there laying out the options. Yeah, that was a good point for sure. Uh, next is the Giants at six. Uh, again, team that needs, uh, look, Andrew Thomas has been an answer on the left side. Uh, Evan Neal on the right side hasn't been so much. Uh, could be maybe an option to move. Inside, if you wanted to add an offensive lineman, again, just how quick the sentiment changes. We have, you know, Brian Dayball, Bell of the Ball, Coach of the Year, and all of a sudden, like, the next season's not even over yet. And people are talking about his job being on the line. You know, Daniel Jones in the first year of, of an extension, like, they're dying to get rid of him. Uh, just a very interesting thing. So, again, like, what the, the Giants can do or need to do is a lot. What they're going to do is going to be very interesting to see. I do think that they're a, a viable trade-up candidate if, if they happen to have their eye on one of those quarterbacks. But um, Malik Neighbors is kind of another kind of if we didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, Marv, like Malik Neighbors is a 
I don't know if we want to use how many times we can use generational prospects. Like neighbors is a baller. Like watching, you're watching a lot of James and Daniel stuff. Like you end up like, Oh, I'm just watching Malik neighbors. Uh, just plow dudes over run guy. Like just awesome, awesome talent. So neighbors here to six uh, to the giants here, Scott, what are your thoughts on uh, what the giants do? Yeah, I think the Giants, and you look at what they did last year, I think they made a huge mistake uh, of going ahead and, and signing Daniel Jones to what they did. So I think they're, in a way, looking for a way out of that. I don't think they're in position necessarily to do it. It'd be a reach if they took any of the quarterbacks here. But they they have to get Daniel Jones some type of weapon if they're going to save his career as far as being able to develop what they had last year between Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, you know, Darren Waller played sparingly with with injuries and stuff like that. They're set to lose Saquon Barkley. They need some type of identity on offense going forward this year. And I think Malik Neighbors would make a lot of sense here. I actually almost think Malik Neighbors, this could possibly be his floor if you start thinking about it and, and, and start looking at, at how some of these teams are going to go ahead and value him. When you start looking statistically with what he did at LSU, he's he his statistically – it played very favorable and close to to what Justin Jefferson did. I think Justin Jefferson's a little bit better on deep ball, um, whereas Malik Neighbors a little bit better with the with the yak and you know breaking some time. One episode in, and we're, and we're uh, not even got the first uh, first tech problem. I love it. That's uh, that's awesome. Not me this year, so we're good. I feel I feel all right about it. Uh, yeah. Hey, we've, we've been there. But I kind of agree. The neighbors' floor is probably six. Uh, it's just, it's hard to envision him falling too far. Um, but again, like I, all the other stuff dictates it, the free agent quarterback signings, all this other stuff. So, uh, did you give consideration for any other players or any other thoughts on what the giants can do at six? The giants, I honestly don't have too many notes on. I just thought that neighbors are a really good player and yeah. put him at six and they need a wide out. Like there's not really any info here or anything, or like even any like GM player connections. Um, but no, I do think the neighbors like. I mean, I was reading like he ran like a, you know, four, four, like years ago, you know, like if he runs in the four threes at the combine and trains a little bit, I mean, like, I don't know how much higher he can go because I already have him at six, but like, I think it almost just confirms, like, I just can't see him going much lower than this. Um, like kind of like Scott was saying there. So yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for him. I think he, he could fly and he's an exciting playmaker and it is crazy though how far the giants have fallen, like literally dragged that sorry ass team, the playoffs. And then now, now like Brian Dale might be fired. I mean, they just have no good players. Like they, they have no one. I know like, Scott said like they need an identity offensively. I'm like, what's their defensive identity? I mean, it, last year was, you know, it was, you know, with Wink Martindale, they like blitzed a ton and they would like try to make, you know, generate pressure. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Like they don't have a ton of, of talent defensively either. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough scene for the giants for sure. But yeah, neighbors is a guy that you're like, look, you figure out some of the rest of it later. And that's why I think the Pats could do that too. It's just like, Let's just get a guy that feels like an absolute no-brainer layup, 10-year type of like just star, uh, and then we'll figure out the rest down the road. So, all right, yeah, seven is got- really interesting. So I, I want to get your thoughts here. I think we, we kind of touched base about it a little bit. Um, you have uh, Olu Fashano, the, the tackle from Penn State going here. I mean, last year I think you did a mock draft. Like people had Fashano going number one overall, just kind of a no-brainer. Uh, tackle prospects now the interesting thing here is again like the titans are another team that needs offensive line work uh and they really need talent everywhere uh, but they definitely need, need pass catcher playmakers as well and obviously there's a draft that has some still on the board now my pushback a little bit was like not even that i disagree with the pick it was like hey 
Got to change a coach. Brought in Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator. Didn't call plays while in Cincinnati. Uh, brought his dad along, former Raiders head coach, former uh, Nebraska Cornhusker head coach, uh, Bill Callahan. Has been in the league for a very long time. Offensive line guru who spent the last handful of years with the Browns and coaching up that offensive line. It's considered one of the best offensive line minds uh, in the league. Now, this offensive line is pretty terrible, but if you have the offensive line whisperer, uh, does it make sense to maybe spend some secondary capital on the offensive line and add some talent in terms of playmakers instead of the offensive linemen? So how much did you consider going somewhere else with the, the pick here for the Titans? Yeah, I think Odunza is definitely in play here. Or if neighbors are somehow here, like I think both of them are very much in play because I think at this point they know like Will Levis played like two good games and then otherwise, you know, was like a complete disaster for the most part. Just like a complete wasn't good. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember we talked in the show, like after the first game, I was like, man, this guy could be fun. Like he's good. And then he played like absolute dog shit for like four straight games after mm -hmm. and he had like one to two good plays. So I then you just need to give him weapons. They need to give him, uh, you know, an offensive line. Like, if they need, if they're going to give him a chance at all, it has to be better just across the board. Um, so yeah, I think it has to be here in my mind, an offensive lineman or a wide receiver. Otherwise, their, their offense is going to be really bad. Like they're, they just don't have a shot, especially with. I, I guess I'm just not super high on Callahan either. So I think Ol, uh, what do you say, Oli, Ol, Olu, like for short. Olu? I just don't want to say the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, Olu's fun. Yeah, I, I think that he's just a solid option again at a team need. Like to be clear too, I think my first mock is just mostly pinning like team needs to players that are at the right position and then like putting the good guys towards the top, the guys in the middle, you know, we'll see. And then the guys at the end are basically a coin flip at this point. So um, again, very, very rough outline at this point, but um, yeah, I would agree that maybe pass catcher could be the move there for the next one. Yes. Yeah, got any thought on the Titans? They obviously, you know, my point that I was making as you came back was that they, you know, have the Callahan's in town, you know, offensive line guru. Why not take some secondary uh, day two picks uh, day three, just kind of load up at the position, let the old ball coach coach him up a little bit and, you know, give your your new quarterback uh, someone to throw to because the rest of the guys are just uh, pretty rough. So any thoughts on what do you think the Titans could do at seven? I think I think the Titans are man, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I think the Titans are uh, going to have some issues when you, you start looking at their identity. I mean. Their owner decided to go a completely different route and side with the GM. Um, I, I tend to think the owner thinks that Will Levis is the answer and that they're going to go ahead and, and build around you know him. And, and there's not necessarily a wrong way to go here, but you start looking at their their roster and their, their right tackle is a free agent, which was Chris Hubbard. Nothing to to go ahead and and clap at. And then at, at left tackle, they got Nicholas Petit Ferrer, who's not somebody that you would want to build around and have protecting your, your young quarterback to develop. So I think either one of the tackles here is what's going to make sense. Yeah. No way to go wrong really for the Titans because they just need talent on both sides. The Falcons become very interesting. The Falcons are obviously rumored to be very interested in a possible Justin Fields play. Um, they obviously need an answer at quarterback. They also have a new regime in town, uh, new coaching staff and you know, it, this will we'll get this answer beforehand, right? Uh, so I think it makes sense to mock JJ McCarthy here. There are some like Shanahan, West Coast offense, mobility, pocket extension type stuff that I think makes a ton of sense with Zach Robinson, the new offensive coordinator, uh, coming from a you know McVeigh Shanahan tree, which I think is a kind of an easy line to draw there with JJ. Now, again, uh, the 
ball knowers and football watchers watching a lot of Michigan weren't seeing a lot of like dazzling plays from JJ McCarthy. He just wasn't asked to do a lot. That doesn't mean that he can't do it per se. But again, I feel like this might've been like a slow climb in years past, but I feel like we just skipped it. Like it was like, JJ McCarthy, a first round pick. It's like, Oh no, no. JJ McCarthy is a top 10 pick. Uh, no shot in hell. He falls outside the top 12 and uh, eight makes a ton of sense. Connor, what were your thoughts around it? Yeah. The more I thought about it after I submitted this, I kind of think that Fields is going to end up in Atlanta. Like I, I feel pretty strong about that at this point. And so um, I would not have JJ McCarthy there if I was doing this mock again, like, you know, tomorrow. But uh, I think if Fields doesn't go there, then they've already basically said they're moving on from Desmond Ritter. They're moving on, you know, from uh, their current QBs. They're not super interested, you know, apparently in the veteran quarterbacks, like the older guys. So that kind of eliminates Russ, any Kirk Cousins buzz, any of that. Um, so it basically leaves Justin Fields or a rookie. And so, uh, if you're stuck at that point, like, I think, like you said, with the new system, like maybe that they can, I mean, there, you know, there is upside with Justin Fields. It's not like completely, you know, dead, uh, in the water. So I think that in this spot though, I took Adam taking McCarthy and you, like you said, in McCarthy's range, like the more the talk that we hear about, it, it's like the Vikings are interested. The Broncos are interested. The Raiders want a QB. Uh, I mean, the saints, I, there was a report that they want a QB. I mean, that's like a bunch of teams that I think are very ripe to maybe even trade up with the Titans. Like if the Titans think like we need to trade back, um, I think to skip the Falcons, if they, if they don't get uh, fields, like that could be in play, even the giants, maybe, maybe they, they move up too. So like, I think that both, like all four of those teams are very live to skip a team like the Falcons to get JJ McCarthy. I'm interested to see what his over under comes in. Like, because I mean, right now I'd probably say like 10 and a half, eight and a half. I don't know. Like, you know, at this point, but like, if he if Fields goes to the Falcons, that obviously changes the dynamic. So yeah, no, it's a good call. I do think you know if you had Fields to the Falcons, it's probably ten and a half. Um, it's basically telling you like, hey, we know the Vikings will probably take him, um, and we want to see if you think anyone else is going to jump ahead of him. So yeah, I think that makes I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Scott, we'll move it on. I mean, this would be an absolute dream scenario for the Bears uh, in their organization to get just talking about adding off, you know, some offensive talent and an identity to be able to retain DJ Moore in that trade from last year. And then you add a quarterback at the top here in Caleb Williams. And then to add the last of the big three uh, wide receivers, which I do think that there is a delineation here. Because again, it's a really solid wide receiver class, but I think. Uh, these three have separated themselves. Uh, what are your thoughts here with the Bears at nine? Yeah, I think the Bears have a, a little bit of versatility as to what they can do here uh, at nine. Um, we still hadn't, you know, under this circumstance, still haven't had the top defensive player come off the board yet. So you, you start looking at what, you know, what Chicago wants to do and how they want to go ahead and build the team. It makes the most sense to go ahead and build around Caleb Williams if that's who the pick's going to be at, there at one. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is where you start to see a drop off here at wide receivers after Roma Dunze. I think he's uh, clearly going to be the the wide receiver three coming off the board in this draft. And I, I think if they, they want to add an offensive weapon, provided they don't do so in free agency, I think, you know, he's a guy that makes a lot of sense to go here at nine. Yeah, I like it, Connor. Uh, again, I think it's a dream scenario for the Bears that they could be able to, uh, you know, get one of the big three quarterbacks uh, and one of the big three receivers in this draft is a kind of a great place for them to be. Changes the dynamic of the franchise instantaneously. Yeah, their their defense played really good last year towards the end of the season, so I don't really think that they need to address defense here. As you mentioned, like Dallas Turner's routinely going in kind of that top seven to ten spots here. The the edge from Bama. 
Uh, and then, you know, like I think there are other could could be other defensive players too. But like in my mind, it's either probably wide receiver or keep adding to the offensive line here to build around Caleb because like, I mean, again, you, you're investing so much in him. I could also see the Bears trading down from nine too. Like if somehow JJ McCarthy's still on the board and, you know, one of those teams wants to skip each other in that range, like I could very easily see the Bears trading down from nine and kind of almost like continuing to add draft capital because they didn't trade down at one because there's, you know, there are plenty of calls of like, oh, why don't you trade down from one, get a haul, trade around, you know, build around Justin, like add more talent that way because the roster is not ready. And that's, it's true. The roster is not ready to win right now, but they do have a good defense. And if they draft Caleb and if they draft a difference-making offensive lineman or a difference-making wideout, like this team could very easily make the playoffs. And if the, if the draft goes like this, I will be betting on the Bears to make the playoffs. Like that is 100% a bet that I'm making um, immediately after the draft. So you can book that now. Um, and maybe this is me wish casting, but I think this is very much like a, a real scenario here with them getting Odunza, Williams, and, and going from there. One other yeah, question. Oh, go ahead. A question I have for both of y'all guys, since y'all are both in the Chicago area, what are y'all projecting or what have y'all seen projected as a return, possible return for Justin Fields? <laughs> well, I think they're doing a good job right now posturing, right? Because I think, you know, there's, you know, we still don't know that they're not getting rid of them, which is, again, I think that they're doing their due diligence by not playing their hands. I don't think it's a first round pick. Um, you know, you had the fifth year. So I think anyone probably voids the fifth year in a trade. Uh, but I think it's probably a day two pick and maybe a future uh, pick, like a second and a future third or something like that. I imagine they could probably get it done. Now, like, if you think he's the answer at quarterback, then you make that you make that trade. And I think it was still like, is this not like Caleb going one to the Bears, in my opinion, is not an indictment on Fields. It's just like it's math and how you have to like run an organization. Uh, do I think Fields is flawed? Yeah. Do I think I understand why? Phantom's a hell of a drug and why you're a Bears fan and you watch some of these extended play runs and scrambles that he makes. And you're like, damn, I love watching this guy and cheering for him. So I understand it. So I understand why a fan base would be pretty excited to get him and why a team would be willing to give up a couple of day two picks. So uh, Connor, what are your thoughts? Yes. Uh, so I did like a Justin Fields trade rumors piece. Um, and it kind of made me think a little bit more about like what the return would be. I think they're asking for like, uh, you know, late first comp in total, but that equates to like, a second round pick and a third round pick maybe combined. Um, I think right now, um, you know, again, this is kind of just a guess, but um, with Atlanta, my guess would be that they're asking for a second, third and a swap from nine to eight for fields. Uh, and I think that that's not completely outrageous. Like I think that that they'll can probably get in that ballpark. Maybe it's a second and a fifth and a swap and nine, eight, but I, I would bet that they're trying to throw in that eight, nine swap to land uh, another guy, uh, whether it's a Dunza or, you know, maybe it gives them even more ammo to trade up to like five to get neighbors, something like that. Um, you know, I think that, or, or even higher. I mean, even Marvin Harrison Jr. There was a time whenever the Bears didn't win the second half of the season, they could have easily gotten Caleb and Marvin Harrison Jr., but instead they wound up winning. And now it's kind of, I mean, it boosted Justin a Fields' trade value, I think, I guess. Like, I, I think prior to his second half of the season, he probably would have been like a the late second, early third round pick kind of type of guy. Um, now, you know, he's a little bit more than that, but still like, I mean, they kind of dropped the ball and not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Just because they, they, you know, ripped off some wins there. So I don't yeah. know, some thoughts. Yeah. It'd have been very interesting. So yeah, the bears are in uh pretty good shape there. Uh, the jets finished the, the top 10, uh, and everyone feels like this is a, it's gotta be a win now type prospect Cause you know, Aaron Rodgers feels like I know Joe, Joe Douglas is the general manager, but it kind of feels like Aaron's, uh, you know, got a seat at the table. Uh, so it does have to be something that helps them win now. And, you know, JC Latham is a 
massive human being that you can plug into the offensive line, maybe tackle, maybe guard. Uh, second lineman off the board here, Connor. Uh, what were your thoughts? Any consideration to like a Brock Bowers here or anything else here for the uh, the Jets at 10? Yeah, I think Bowers could be in play. I mean, it's just basically Rodgers calling the shots, it seems like, at least in a lot of these areas. And I think he failed pretty miserably last year with – you know, some of his buddies coming what? over and not doing a whole, whole lot. Um, <laughs> Lazard was awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, like he just stinks, dude. Like he's, he's he was never really all that good to begin with. Um, yeah, I don't know. I basically just kind of penciled in like more help for him, uh, you know, on the offensive line. I think he could be pass catcher here as well. I don't think that they go defense in this spot. That just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with Rodgers kind of helping the charge here. But kind of after this like top 10, there's like a couple of guys that I think are worth touching on. Um, and you know, from here on out, but overall it was kind of just like this top 10 and maybe, I mean, Bowers is the only other one that I really Bowers and Dallas Turner were the only other two that I really think are like top 10 fringe fringe guys here. Like I don't really see anyone else moving to the top 10 Scott. I don't know if you feel kind of the same way or like what your early vibes are here, because it seems like a pretty, pretty kind of narrow group barring like an unexpected, uh, selection here. Yeah, I think we we would have to be very surprised to see anybody outside of kind of these top 12 guys that you have really moving in, unless it's going to be a, a quarterback like Bo Nix or, or something. I've heard some rumors that some people are high on him and expect him to go in the first round. But I, I think it's a very, like you said, narrow group this year as far as what you're going to see in the top 10 to 12 picks. And I, I think you did a good job of kind of getting those guys in, in, the, in the range of where – I expect them to be picked and, you know, especially here for the Jets with Makai Becton being the failure he's been, uh, I think Latham makes the most sense. And, and there's kind of a little bit of a drop off the same way we said at wide receiver here after uh, this tackle position as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you guys did a good job there. It's like, it's a deep draft um, in terms like some positions, but in terms of like where we're at now, and again, this is really feels somewhat dangerous to say, just because we we're literally like we're like two months out, <laughs> so much changes so fast, right? And we again we are pre-combine, pre-free agency, uh, franchise tags, all that stuff, right? We are uh, fresh off the Super Bowl, uh, but it does feel like there are is a pretty noticeable tier. We start to get into like the def defensive players and outside of some of those offensive linemen, and we'll see shuffles. I think back of that that like Andrew Thomas, um, it was a couple of years ago where it's like there was five. Mm -hmm offensive linemen everyone thought they were but no, no one knew the order and it became like it shifted so much even like the last 72 hours or so i very much could see that here again where there's like you know a shift in like there's like 10 offensive linemen that are uh probably going to go here in the top 40 or so so we could see a shift there as well as some of the interesting ones the broncos are interesting to me because um they obviously played their hand late in the season with the russell wilson stuff and said they were looking to move forward now they obviously are they going to go into the season is sean payton going into season two with Jared Stidham at quarterback? Mm, probably not, right? They want to make a splash somehow. Draft-wise, though, they're pretty, like, again, and this is something that Peyton's been willing to do with what they did with, like, the salary cap in New Orleans for a very, very long time, uh, and they're still trying to unpack there. They can get weird with future stuff. They just don't have a lot of draft picks. Um, they, they have 12. They don't have a second rounder. Uh, they don't pick till 76 in the third. They'll pick till 122 in the fourth. Um, so like they don't have a lot of like this year's stuff to move. So, uh, you know, to move up a lot, like you have to be really set. And in this scenario, like for them to move from 12 to three, it's going to be really rich. Are you going to move up 
to take the fourth quarterback in the draft, knowing that like JJ's probably not coming to you at 12, knowing that like it makes a ton of sense for Minnesota to take him. If he happens to fall there, is Minnesota even going to sit on their hands? They might even move up uh, to go ahead and make a move to solidify that as well. So like the Broncos are really interesting in terms of what their future is. They have a lot of positional needs. Uh, you know, I think they could, they have some needs offensively. I get why you, you kind of stop the fall of Brock Bowers there. Like whatever, whoever's that quarterback needs some weapons there too. Uh, so there's a lot of questions with the Broncos and I know you, know, you gave the bag to Peyton uh, and expect him to be a miracle worker, but it's going to get pretty tough. And they're kind of in a tough spot to do another team that maybe won some games down the stretch and, and probably hurt themselves more than they could possibly help themselves here. So uh, what are your thoughts there, Connor? I know you got, this is a you know Broncos uh, jersey flying behind you proudly. Uh, what are your thoughts on Denver? Yeah, I mean, if Demarius Thomas is there at 12, they'd be drafting him, uh, you know, <laughs> for a lock. But no, it's uh, I think it's a great point that you bring up there with the quarterback situation. I guess I didn't really think about it uh, in depth enough like that because like Sean Payton, I just can't imagine he goes into like the second year with like Jared Stidham. So what does that solution look like? He doesn't really strike me as a Justin Fields guy. Uh, you know, it just doesn't really seem like, you know, he's Justin Fields might be the anti like Drew Brees. Like that might be like the complete diametric opposite of, probably of true. Drew Brees. Um, and so, yeah, I think a guy like JJ McCarthy makes a ton of sense. Now, how do they get there and where did, what does that look like? You know, I, I just think we're going to see a lot more pieces fall into place here with free agency because again, Justin Fields goes to the Falcons or, the Raiders or someone like that. Like I think kind of lessens competition. The Broncos know who they'll need to get above, above like, is that moving to seven or six or is that trying to get all the way up to three involving this year's first, next year's first and a second and third round pick uh, in the future as well, probably the year after. So like, would they do that? Maybe. I mean, they're already so screwed, you know, money uh, and draft pick wise. they like, they might as well just keep going in. Like I, they're not going to be able to trade down or anything and like slowly regain capital. Like that's boring. It'll take like 10 years. So um, they yeah. also did that weird trade. I think Sean Payton was there where they traded up for what was it, one of the Davenport guys, like 12 picks trading up like for a, a first round pick from like the twenties to the low teens to get one of their guys who they just like had the most conviction of, even though he was like a, I don't know, I think like a mid round, like mocked guy. Um, I don't know. I think that's a good point though. Like they're just going to be aggressive and do whatever they want. They think that they need to, to get what they need, which is a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, why worry about it today when you can worry about it tomorrow, Scott? Um, any thoughts on kind of this section? I think it's interesting too. Like, I mean, the Raiders are in a similar spot, right? They have your you know first year like head coach of uh, Antonio Pierce having him come back. Are you did you see enough from Aiden O'Connell? Um, you're kind of behind the ball in terms of uh, the pecking order of the rest of these teams that are looking to make the plays for the secondary quarterbacks. Are you going to justify a Bo Nix in the middle of, of the first round or a Michael Penix or whatever? Uh, just because you need the position uh, when, again, when your roster has so many holes. So I think, you know, that whole section, uh, particularly the Broncos and the Raiders, I think are very interesting. And again, I know you have insight on the saints. So anything you want to talk about here in the middle, go for it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the lines that I'm going to be looking at early on here, as soon as it drops, is going to be the number of trades in the first round, because I, I think you have good arguments, whether it's Minnesota, Denver, you know, the Raiders there in, in Vegas. I, I think those one of those three teams is going to move up, and I think it's going to be for a quarterback. Naturally, we have to wait for a few of the dominoes to start to fall, Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Fields and whatnot. But I think once that happens, you're going to start to to see some of these things go on. Um, as far as the Saints, 
Uh, I think what what Connor has right here, it might not be the the player, but I think it's right on. I think when you start looking at the Saints, you know, they they have a, a new offensive staff coming in, but specifically Ryan Ramchek over at, at right tackle has a degenerative knee, and they they're saying that like all the cartilage is completely gone in his knee. You know, while while he played well the first few years, uh, I think you can't trust him here and you know going forward. There's you know potential talk that he could retire in the offseason. Um, and then they went ahead and, and drafted Trevor Penning, expecting him to play left tackle, and he's been a huge bust for him. He's not been able to, to move over and play that left side. And, and there was talks of moving him into guard, but he couldn't even move into guard, was getting – you know, outplayed by backups that they moved into guard to where they ended up putting Andrews Pete starting at left tackle. Um, so when you start looking at, at Derek Carr, I, I think Derek Carr is the type of quarterback that can have success whenever he's protected. And, and specifically with the way the Saints offensive line is kind of in shambles right now, I, I think they're looking at, at drafting, you know, a, a tackle or some offensive line help here in the, the range that there are. And, and, you know, Connor hit that right on the head with the offensive tackle there from Georgia. Georgia. Um, so, you know, as far as that kind of group and, and some of these others, I, I think, you know, early on, you know, as far as putting things together for a mock draft 1.0, I think Connor's hit a lot of the nails on the head as far as where I would be looking to go and kind of what my mock drafts are going to be very similar to. But that's one of the lines that I look to, to keep in, 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 in sight is, is what the over and unders on amount of trades in the first round is going to be. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, then some of the next picks on the board make some sense too. And again, I think we'll have some free agency stuff, franchise tag stuff. Uh, suss those out. I like Jacksonville at 17 uh, with Jared Verse there. Like, what do they do with Josh Allen? That's a big uh, piece for them. I think that they probably lock him up. Um, do they still want to go edge if they do so? Brian Thomas uh, Jr., the wide receiver from uh, LSU to the, uh, the Bengals there. Bengals have. Uh, Probably Tyler Boyd walking and a decision to make on T Higgins in terms of extending or, you know, franchise tag. Um, that makes a lot of sense. The most shocking thing on the board is number 19. The Rams have a first round pick. That's the first time the Rams have had a first round pick. I think it's since 2016 when they took Jared Goff at 101. Uh, the Rams, and again, like you want a team that's going to trade out of the first round, the Rams could give a rip about taking first round picks. So, uh, we'll see if the Rams want to hold that position. But, yeah, even shocking to see L.A. Uh, in the blue and yellow there on the board because it's not something we've seen very often here in first-round mocks. So, uh, yes, again, like now we get into some position stuff because we have kind of a, a group of defensive backs, and Connor has them uh, bunched up here basically from 15 to 22. Really hard to you know, make up or down or, like, you know, have any insight on terms of, like, why you think one guy is higher than others. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. So uh, were some guys, Connor, that maybe just missed or you wanted to touch on or if you were to do it again now, having a couple days back that uh, would have made it in the first round for you? Yeah, um, it's interesting Scott brought up Bo Nix. That's something I've been toying with, and I think the quarterback conversation is interesting with Michael Penix and Bo Nix. Uh, I don't think that Penix goes in the first round. I think that he's probably more of like a second, like early to mid-second round guy. Um but I'm interested, Scott. So, I mean, where did you hear Nick's like kind of link to? Like in the middle part of the round, like late part? Like is he like a, a trade up and get the fifth year option guy or is he like a legit interest in the middle part of the first round? 
some of the scouts that I uh, that I listen to and pay most attention to uh, as far as respect in their outlook, uh, a lot of them have him kind of in, in that that early 20 to mid 20 range um, as far as what they think. They think he's going to interview great. They think he's going to test well at the combine. They think the combine is kind of set up for him to to go ahead and, and shine. But specifically, they think when he goes into interviews, doing some of the whiteboard work and doing some of that stuff is where he's going to win over some of the scouts and some of the coaches and and that he's really going to make some of these front offices start thinking about, can we go ahead and pass on one of these guys? And especially when you start looking at some of these teams that may end up missing out on a quarterback there early in the draft or through free agency, like, the, you know, look, they Quarterback is one of those positions where there's not many guys that can go ahead and scout them accurately. Uh, I think no matter how good you think some of these scouts and some of these front offices are, you see misses on quarterbacks time and time again um, to the point where you even start looking at, at Washington and Sam Howell. You've got some like the Jets were a team that I heard that are they're interested and in, in maybe possibly trading for Sam Howell if Washington's willing to, to move on from him. So you've got some teams that are always going to be looking at quarterback. I mean, Pittsburgh's another team right there. I mean, how comfortable are you with their quarterback situation moving forward? You know, there's some rumors that they're looking for one of these guys in free agency or via trade. So there are some teams there that you have some concern about um, there in, a, you know, that late teen, early 20 range. And, you know, even if he, he falls past there, you know, late in the, the draft and you, you have these teams that are comfortable there from like 28 with Buffalo all the way down to Kansas City, you know, you may have a team move into the bottom of, of that first round to to get that quarterback that they think can can go ahead and help them move forward. And, you know, for a team like Denver, if Denver's uncomfortable moving big draft capital to to go ahead and get into that top say five or six or even eight to to get one of these quarterbacks if they miss out there it's the bottom of the first round a, a potential spot where they move up for a guy like Bo Nix or, or somebody in that caliber to to go ahead and, and get their quarterback of the future since they don't have a whole lot of draft capital you start talking about Sean Payton in particular and how he's leveraged you know future first round picks um you know for previous years coming up and, and that's a type of move that i could see him making yeah it's be fascinating he said it's uh, a good exercise thank you connor for going first and you know taking the lumps here for the team uh, scott is on deck uh, we'll have a mock from scott here uh, and i will uh, circle in um, you know the knight in shining armor with more information than both of you uh, to run out my first one and then we'll just keep doing this out through the process again we'll continue to get uh, more information again we are you know, a little bit more than a week away from the combine, which I think is going to be impactful. And you start to get a little bit more of this stuff to shake out from a free agency standpoint. It's going to be uh, massive too. Cause again, uh, Ryan got me here too in the chat. Uh, white guys everywhere, marking Dijon to the Rams with Seahorn, Adam Archuleta visions in their head. Uh, yeah. Uh, he will not be at the combine, which is uh, too bad. Cause like I've seen this kid's like high school basketball tape and he's springy and, uh, and pretty oh, yeah. fun. So uh, too bad we won't see him in the combine and again. Maybe that's impactful in terms of where he falls, you know, in the early DB rankings and stuff like that. But yeah, good one, Ryan. We appreciate that. That's pretty good. <laughs> so again, don't forget to head over to the site 444.com. I uh, click on the betting tab and you will find Connor's mock draft there on the sites. So you'll be able to find Scott's there as well. Find Scott on Twitter at Scott Smith FF. Uh, and again, you can scoop up the betting subscription. You want to get in our discord. You want to get all the official plays that we have coming out over at 444. That's where you want to be. Uh, and again, we are excited to uh, turn the page here for the new year here very, very soon. So 
I appreciate you hanging out with us. Come back next week. Again, subscribe to the channel on YouTube for for bets. Look for Moving the Line wherever you find podcasts. We will continue to be here. I'll probably be moving days around a little bit, but we will have a show every single week, uh, at least one. We'll have more as we get closer to the draft. So subscribe to the show. For Scott and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.